You are now entering Armbar Audio. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Armbar Audio. I'm your host, Tim Farley, and not next to me is my trusted companion. John Kearns, what's up, everybody? So today is, starts a new segment from Armbar Audio, which is a collaboration uh, between me and someone else you may see on the screen right now. Um, it's called Booker Man. And this person came up with the idea that for a fantasy segment, and eventually we are going to be talking about, uh, you know, certain wrestlers and uh, uh, in certain situations or going back in time and uh, rebooking someone. Uh, but today, for the first episode, we are doing my friends, our friends, fantasy cards that he came up with similar to our super card with brandon of talking suplexes now here he is none other than el pollo loco what's going on y'all my name is chip uh i've known tim for a little bit here i'm gonna let him explain how we know each other yeah uh me and Chip met through a mutual friend that I worked with at the time. He had been very long time friends with. Uh, he's still friends with him. And uh, I stopped working at this job probably 10 years ago. I have not talked to that work friend since then, but I still maintain a relationship with Chip. And that all has to do on our passion for pro wrestling. Um, Chip has always been a supporter of Armbar Audio, even before it was Armbar Audio. He, anytime we do fans bring the topics, he makes sure we have something to work with. Um, we are usually, we contact each other probably once a week, once every two weeks to discuss the modern pro wrestling product. And, um, he came up with this idea of Booker Man, and I, I like it a lot because I like fantasy booking, and I like all of that and coming up with cards, um, and we thought it would be a great introduction to the segment with just a, a fantasy card. Now, this fantasy card was all curated by Chip himself. Uh, we John has the list of matches. I do. And so he will be introducing them, but Chip will lead us, and then we will discuss how we see the matches going, who's the eventual winners, et cetera, et cetera. So, <clears throat> Chip, do you think I uh, did that justice? Yo, definitely. Now, Chip, Chip's a little bit older than me, and I'm a little <laughs> bit older than John. Yeah. Uh, and but when me and Chip met, we met at a a bar that was putting together. Which which show did we meet at? I'm hoping you remember it. I, it was one of the majors. Was it was um, it the Mania with Punk and Taker? Possibly. I thought it was at your house. Actually, I thought 
No, no, no. We went to Fox and Hound. Fox and Hound. I love that place. I miss that place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think it was the WrestleMania with Punk and Taker, and you know, one of the Cena Rock matches. And me and Chip hit it off right away because uh, Chip's an old school wrestling fan, but he also appreciates modern wrestling, and he could see bullshit uh, pretty well. Uh, and we just got to rapping about who our favorite wrestlers were and like our favorite matches and it was just an instantaneous this guy gets it and it's been like that ever since so this this uh this show that he has curated uh is more or less old school versus new school uh and when you see the matchups you'll understand why he chose who to go against who it's it's a it's pretty obvious except one match that i had to ask him about but now i understand uh but we will go into that um so and john john before any of you guys see anything john has this is the best graphic work john has done for this show uh hands down it's impeccable i love it um so, John, Thank you, what's Tim. the first match, brother? Well, the first match <clears throat> that we have. Now, there's three matches on the pre-show. Yeah, there's a pre-show. And this is called Booker Man's All Hallows' Eve Ball. It's just Hallows' Eve Ball, but yeah. Oh, yeah. All yeah. Hallows' Eve, Hallows' Eve. They whatever. see it right there because they have my uh, poster that I've made right there for it that I don't think you've seen yet. Well, shucks. But we have... It's the American Dream Dusty Rhodes against Boom Boom Colt Cabana in a bog standard singles match. Okay. So, for some reason, uh, Colt now is in. Am I allowed to talk about? I can talk about you. You can talk about whatever you want. Okay. So, uh, Colt, Colt Cabana right now is actually someone who's been fairly new to me uh, as far as watching. Uh, he's up in AEW right now. Uh, his style just for some reason resonated. It's big Dusty Rhodes, uh, mainly because he likes to use that bionic elbow 100%. He uses it all the time. And as soon as he used it, it, it hit me a clip real quick. Uh, yeah, and this guy is got a little bit of old school. Uh, he got a little humor, which Dusty did have, uh, especially when he had to go hit uh, BKNs. Uh, had to take that gimmick and make it work, which he did. And so, uh, those two definitely are very similar. I, I, that's a match I'd really like to see. Uh, but uh, I, actually, the eventual winner, I think, would be Colt Cabana. Uh, I'm kind of, I guess, I'm going along that team with a lot of what I've been watching is, you know, passing the torch type situations. Uh, you'll probably see that going down the card. A lot of passing the torch, a lot of similarities between uh, the two. So... Uh, I'm going with Colt Cabana to take that one. No, I'm going lots of bionic elbows and a lot of boogie woogie in and shaking of the hips. <laughs> yeah, it's it would be uh, definitely an entertaining match for sure. Uh, Colt Cabana has entered a phase in his career. Depending on where he is and how he's booked, he can do anything. Well, his early career in ROH, he was serious. Uh, he was in the WWE for a short time as, I believe, Scotty Goldman, and I didn't see that. 
New Japan. He was half serious, half uh, uh, comedic. And in AEW, he's half serious, half comedic. And uh, he is, I believe he is the first pro wrestler to ever have a podcast. Now, when I look at the match itself, when I look at the whole card, yeah, I see the whole passing of the torch. But in this opening match, I don't see Cole Cabana going over. Uh, Dusty Rhodes is uh, uh, better at controlling the crowd. Yeah. And I think that the best outcome would be, you know, a very entertaining match where the fans went home happy the, no matter who the winner was. And I just think you can't beat the master of the bionic elbow with your knockoff of the bionic elbow. Mm. This is true. You are correct. You know what? I, I, you know what? I like the way you put that. Way you put that. John? Uh, <clears throat> well, for my money, um, I'd be more excited just to see them interact with each other at all. Uh, I'd be more interested in backstage segments than a match with these two. Especially, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, especially if the other members of Dark Order are involved and especially like if Cody and Dustin were involved as well. And even Arn. And even Arn. <laughs> but as for a winner of the match, I would probably go with Colt as well, honestly. Now, why would you go with Colt? Um, I think that Colt has more of the modern uh, wrestling prowess than Dusty had. Uh, Dusty was fantastic, but I've never seen anybody break out of that Superman pin. Right. <laughs> It's just a matter of if he can get it. Uh, now, John, what you're saying about modern style, I'm definitely going to be talking about further down the line. Yeah. I just feel like Dusty's Dusty's not going to let that Superman pin happen, and his bionic elbow is stronger than Colt's. Yeah. But so we got, I got. Dusty, you got Colt, and Chip had Colt, but he's going with Dusty. I, I can see there being some of that uh, rewrite on the fly type situations going on with this card because literally it, it, it's like you pitch it during the match, and I saw a picture of what you were talking about. And I'm like, you know what? He's absolutely right. It's, it's possible that the crowd would go home happier seeing Dusty because he was well. He, they, people loved him. I mean, he was. So he was probably the first baby face uh, I liked. And I don't, I'm, I'm a, I like heels. Just, I guess, on an introduction to when it comes to professional wrestling, I grew up uh, in Atlanta, in Stone Mountain, Georgia, like the high school. So I started watching wrestling and, like, I was trying to figure it out. In 1982, I was 13. I was wondering I how you knew all of this Southern wrestling. And so I, I, I don't I, think I knew that you lived in Atlanta. 
that is possible because I mean, I'm a little, I have older, that's way down the line. So uh, I went to high school, uh, I went to high school 84 to 88, graduated in 88. Uh, I also went to junior high, so I was down there. And you graduated the year I was born. Yes. <laughs> I, I, you, know, you know what's funny is that's kind of how it goes. It's pretty funny. Um, I was down there for middle school, but then I came back up. It's a whole other story. And then I went back down, but I fell in love with it in 82. Uh, Tony Blanchard was my dude. Like, that was my guy. Hey, baby doll. Kind of had a crush on her. Not going to lie. Back then, the makeup and the hair, that was the thing. So uh, I, I kind of had a thing for her. And Tony Blanchard, just like the way he talked on the mic, just the way he carried himself, that was my stuff. And so uh, when the Fort Horseman formed, that's when I found Rick Flair. And then he's just like doubling up on what Tony had. Uh, and then Arn and Ole with J.J. Dillon talking on the side, everybody, everybody talking to Tony Schiavone. <laughs> Schiavone, that's my dude. Um, <laughs> um Man, it, it, that was a good time. That was a really good time. Now, see, it's funny because I don't know what went on at North. Like, I have no clue what happened, went on uh, up above Mason-Dixon line. It's like, back then, I might have caught some Saturday night uh, main events, maybe, if I could stay up that late. It was all about yeah. It was all about territories for me. I do have a question for you because of the culture that you come from. Uh, you talked about the Four Horsemen and you talked about Ric Flair, and we have seen Ric Flair mentioned by numerous uh, prominent African Americans, uh, especially in rap music. The first time I ever heard of him mentioned in rap music was by Killer Mike. I believe the song is actually called Ric Flair. Then you have uh, Ric Flair Drip by the dude, from, one of the dudes from me. Quavo, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and then there's some other, there was some other, there's been references all over the place. And uh, a lot of them say that Ric Flair was the only white guy basically promoting uh, or like not promoting, but his philosophies coincided with rap culture because even though rap has changed over the decades, one thing that has always stood out uh no matter who the rapper is, whether they're a conscious rapper, a backpack rapper, a mumble rapper, a trap rapper, it's there's always a theme of stunting on people and, and, and having the best look, having that swag. Yeah. Did, did that uh, have, any, uh, have any gravity as to why you liked Ric Flair? Uh, so no, um, I am kind of a plain Jane kind of individual. Like I be honest with you, like I dress more like Dusty Rhodes. Like that's more like, I'm more like a t-shirt and shorts kind of dude, uh, dressing up really not my thing. Uh, the way he talked on the mic, that is what kind of like, <laughs> and you know what it is? So not actually having it, but talking about having it, that's what got me. And I guess maybe because it's funny, so co coming up, I guess I kind of, I grew up on the hill uh, in Pittsburgh before I went down to Atlanta. So 
So you, you know what that said. That's kind of like, that's projects. Chauncey yeah. Job, represent. You know, that's, I grew up, that's what we're doing. If you look like me, then you better drive fast. Yeah. And so, you know, not having a lot, you know, it wasn't really that big of a deal. I, honestly, back then, I didn't realize I didn't have a lot. I mean, to be honest with you, which is uh, big up to my parents. Because I honestly didn't realize I didn't have a lot until after that. Uh, then when I went down a little with my dad in Atlanta, it was like a 180. Out in the suburbs, house, yard, picking fence, driveway, garage, two-car garage, you know, cutting the grass on the weekends and all that. And it was it having stuff. And it was kind of odd. Like, I had, like, a TV. I had my own phone line in high school. Like, it was, like, we would call each other in the house. It was ridiculous. Kind of um, like a culture shock. Yeah, it was like a culture shock. And so, like, I've been in both. And it's not like I want to be here at the bottom. I don't have to be up here, though. I like being in the middle. So, like, talking about having something is pretty cool. Not like in the braggadocious way, although Rick Flair bragged about it all the way. He had the chimney head. He had all. He had it all. I see. Like, he talks like brothers talk once they get the money, <laughs> and that's what that's that's what that's what we like about him. And like, once he got it, he lets you know, I got this, I got this. You don't, and you don't see this. You don't have that. You know what I mean? But I've so, got more friends. I've got more cars than you got friends. That's a great impression. Yes, I got more cars than you got friends. I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. <laughs> <laughs> I slept with every woman here. Even after that one. <laughs> Hip thrust. Oh anyway, all right. Well, like I said, like you can see, Chip, this is a very, you know, we can go off the rails. We can talk about <laughs> whatever we want. Um so let's get into the second match, John. Yeah, I was going to say, second we do, match. however, have 10 more matches to go through. Um, <laughs> so the next one we got up here is a tag team match that would pit Harlem Heat against the Good Brothers, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. Okay. Now, Chip, explain why you uh, put this one together. Okay, so, I mean, I think size similarities, obviously... Uh, stand first. Uh, you can, I can definitely see Machine Gun Carl and Booker T going, get, getting it on, technical, moving around, jumping around, flying around, doing what they do, tagging in Stevie Ray, tagging in uh, Big Luke, and then Big Boots, huge clotheslines, power slams, you know what I mean? Uh, hard Irish whips into the corner. I can see a lot of that going on. Uh, this one, uh, I'm going to go with Harlem Heat uh, on this one. It can go either way. It's just, I guess it kind of depends. Uh, with a lot of these matches, there's no storyline. These are just matches that I put together. I'm just sitting around kind of thinking, kicking, kicking rocks. And so without storyline, I mean, honestly, these could go either way. Uh, this match in particular, I think could go either way. I'm going with Harlem Heat. Because uh, Stevie Ray just doesn't get enough love. <laughs> uh, uh, John? Yeah, uh, Stevie Ray not getting enough love is the understatement of the century. He's one of the best to ever do it. And um, 
I think in this, especially peak Harlem Heat, unbeatable. So I got to go with Harlem Heat as well. You know, I, it shocks me that they never made it up north. Right. Uh, that's one thing that always kind of stuck with me. I'm not really sure why. I, I mean, never obviously, understood. I never understood why Steve didn't go with Booker. I think there's two factors there. One, Booker, Vince saw money in Booker and didn't see money in Steve. Because by the time Vince bought WCW, Booker was already a singles <clears throat> star. Uh, and That's I think, true. secondly, I don't know the timeline, so I could be wrong. But no, you know I, I, I believe Stevie and Booker... Uh, you know, they had issues. I was just going to say, I think there might have been an underlying issue because I guess when the collapse happened, Stevie really wasn't even wrestling anymore. Yeah. Uh, they weren't they were together. You're right. Booker was because that's what he was fought on. So uh, Booker was on a, on a singles run. So I don't know if it was injury. I, I think I'm not going to come back. Something did happen that could split them up. Uh, and so when the whole thing happened, Booker went up, Stevie wasn't even big. Well, I, I don't think they talked for years. Yeah, it's, it's something, something I, not clear to me, but I, I think that's somewhere along the line. Now, back to my pick. Both of these tag teams are highly decorated. Uh, even though Harlem Heat's run was short, they held the WCW Tag Team Championships seven times. The Good Brothers have been a tag team for like a decade, I believe. And have been and champions have, everywhere they've gone. And have been everywhere. champions everywhere they've gone. Now, looking on the paper, the two X factors to me are Booker T and Luke Gallows. Luke Gallows could be a single star at this point in his career. Uh, if he ever decided to drop Carl, he would be fine on his own. He has all the tools to be a top big man for a company that isn't WWE. Um, but Booker's athleticism overcomes, and the fact that they are actual brothers, overcomes Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. And I choose Harlem Heat. We are all in agreement that Harlem Heat defeats the Good Brothers. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's go on to the third, third and final pre-show match. This one. It is freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy taking on the model Rick Martel. Okay. So I don't know where this came from. I, I'm not even. The more I, I stared at it, the more I stared at it, the more I was like, "Hey, this needs to go. This needs to go." And I'm like, "No, it needs to stay." So what I remember about Rick Martel, this is a little bit of what I did know about WWE. Uh, was the tail end, I guess, of the Bret Hart era going into, I guess, that would have been with the attitude, the attitude era, I guess. But Rick Martel took whatever was given to him and made it work. Whether it was the Can-Am, 
Wizard Wizard Marvel, which was kind of like, you know, like that's what they liked up there was like having, you know, having a a caricature of a person and just blowing it out of proportion. Everybody was a gimmick at that time. <laughs> yeah. The, the big fumigation pop with the perfume with the cologne, yeah, that's hilarious to me. Absolutely hilarious. Like, to take that and make it so larger than life, you know what I mean? Uh, and so, Orange Cassidy, at first, was I, I was like, what in the heck am I watching? The more I watch it, the more I'm like, this is absolutely what's needed. Not everybody, but this guy right here, the, the kicks, the little kicks, and the crowd, the pop on all those, yeah. blows me away every time. I get chilled and I giggle every single time because it, it's, just, I know I know it's coming and I know what it is. I want to see it. Like, 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 like Excalibur says, give the people what they want. Uh, I got Orange Cassidy winning this one because that's obviously what the people are going to want with this one. Not many of the people are even going to know who Rick Martel is. <laughs> I just liked him because, like I said, he was a worker and he took whatever was given to him and he made it work. Uh, he had technical, he, could be a, he was a great heel and he was a great baby thing, like on uh, both levels. And so, uh, you gotta let this cat from, from Canada anyway, so. Right. He, 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 technical wise, he, he is above Orange Cassidy. But as the model Rick Martell against Orange Cassidy, this is how I view the end of the match. Uh, you know, it's kind of heated and they're kind of down, this and that. The model goes for his perfume. And uh, whenever he goes to to spray orange, orange has the glasses back on, and it doesn't work. And the model is just like, "What the hell?" And then Cassidy just hits a Superman punch and then <laughs> does his thing. That's yep. how I see the match ending. But it would be it would be a a a sleeper hit. Yeah. One of those matches, yeah, one of those matches you see on the card and you're like, I don't know how I feel about this. I wonder how it's going to play out. And then whenever you see it, you're like, fuck, that was good. Like, that was higher than expectations. <laughs> exactly. You see it on paper and you're like, I'm looking at it like, these like, uh, what? Really? Uh, but then when they start doing what they do, you know what I mean? It's, uh, it, it'll all come together. And like you said, I like that in I like that in a lot. Yeah, uh, I did too. I mean, I'm going to go with Orange Cassidy as well. Um, I think Orange Cassidy just, like you say, Rick Martel has more technicality. But I think Orange Cassidy has more uh, fire. and Explosiveness. Has more explosiveness and has the... Ability to lure his opponents into a false sense of security, where everybody yeah. underestimates him. I wanted to talk about that a little bit before we went into the next yeah. match. Now, a lot of people see Orange Cassidy as a comedy act, but recently, commentary in AEW has been putting over those kicks and his sloth likeness as a way of getting into the opponent's head. And I hope 
that they keep pushing that narrative because Orange Cassidy is too good to be lumped in with comedy wrestling. Not that comedy wrestling is bad, but I feel that his ability and his ability to connect with the crowd is bigger than where a comedy wrestler's ceiling is. Yeah. With Orange, and it's funny, with Orange, the uh, uh, promoting him as far as uh, merchandise and whatnot to look like him is extremely easy to do. You know what I mean? Anyway, I can do it, you can do it, we can all do it. John, <laughs> you know what John, I mean? John saw it at Comic Con. <laughs> I did. Oh, uh, I bet there were probably hundreds of them. All the, everybody in his line except for me. Was fully in orange. Oh my god, that's funny. <laughs> so with orange, I think the way that they push him, like you said, Tim, I think that is a way to get a belt on him and make it credible and keep the gimmick going. Is to push it as a technique of wrestling instead of it being a comedy. They're pulling away from it being a comedic act, letting him be himself, and making it wrestling. Uh, and that's the only way you can put him in a title picture, uh, I think, credibly, without having people turn on what is already a great game. Well, yeah. I mean, in that triple threat match, you know, I wanted Pac to win, but I knew that Omega was going to win. But I'll be damned uh, uh, if I'm going to lie. I popped every time Cassidy had that match in his grasp. <laughs> like you, you just keep clawing at it, you keep clawing at it, and you're like, okay. Oh. Oh, and that's where they got you. And that's it's a certain way to put that match, too. Because uh, everybody, as you said, everyone wanted Pop to win. Nobody wanted Kenny to win. And you really wanted Orange to win, but you knew he kind of wasn't. But he, every time he got that close, you're like, oh, maybe, maybe. Right, right. So. And that's how you book a good match. So going into the main card, John. The main card, well, we're kicking it off with uh, possibly what I called the most on-the-nose match of all time where we have the Junkyard Dog versus the dog Face Gremlin, Rick Steiner, in a dog collar match. (laughs) Now, before... Now, there's really no explanation needed for this show, but I wanted to ask you one question. Have you ever watched the show Blackish? No, I actually have not. Now, listen... I need to. Anthony Anderson's parents are split up, but they live in Anthony Anderson's house. And his father's played by Lawrence Fishburne, Mm -hmm. and I forget the actress who plays the wife. And in one of the episodes, she is telling someone about the people that she has slept with. And she ends it with, and professional wrestling legend, the Junkyard Dog. And I fucking popped, dude. I lost my shit. That's but, funny. But uh, yeah, go ahead, Chip. That's uh, <laughs> uh, like like you said. There's no real. It's it's all right there on paper. I mean, it is funny because they have similarities. JYD, all four headbutt, boom 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 headbutt. Uh, Rick Style, same thing. You know what I mean? It's two big, not so athletic guys, just power. Rick just 
just going at it. Uh, I'm taking Rick Steiner. Uh, better shape. Better, better move set, too. Better shape, better move set. Uh, JYD. Semi comedic, if you look at it that way. Kind of, uh, I could take this in a whole different way if I wanted to, but I'm not going to. I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave that alone with JYD. Because back in the time frame, that could have been seen as possibly uh, off kill for some Americans. Yeah. I, w- I wouldn't say he was a comedic act. I would say he was more of an entertainer. He okay. was He was definitely one for of the, the first ever sports entertainers. For the kids, the, the hand on the rope, the, the, the wiggle of the legs, the barking. I get it. Okay. Okay. I thought, touche. But, but yeah, I've uh, got to take this one. Uh, I, I see too many suplexes. Too many just belly to belly. Belly to belly. Overhead throws. Overhead throws. Especially, uh, when, you're attached, especially when you're attached to a dog collar. I mean, you're not getting away from uh, Steiner's Wrestling constant acumen, constant. Yeah, it's just, it's just, there it, was no defense with him. Him and his brother. So it, it, this almost was a tag team match. I honestly really couldn't find anybody. Uh, <laughs> I, I had the pit bulls, but then I had to make it a triple threat. And there again, I couldn't find another single dog wrestler uh, at the moment. But yeah. uh, I. I, I think the only improvement you can make on this match would be to have it be special guest refereed by the British Bulldog. Oh, <laughs> my man. I forgot about it. Okay. That's, but, I like, anyway, that. I like, like that. I got to go with Rick Steiner as well. I was always a bigger Rick fan than a Scott fan. Um, now, always. John, here's what? the thing. I'll tell you something. I know you were a WCW kid. I was. And when and when you watched WCW, Rick and Scott were you know, Scott was already getting that big pop a pump type thing. But Scott Steiner back in the NWA in Japan and the brief WWF stint that they did, he could if he never did steroids, he could have been in the same conversation of Bret Hart and Kurtane. Yeah. Like like he he was incredible. Uh but but that doesn't take away from from what he has done past that. I mean, he was very he was a very entertaining person. Yeah. Um he just decided to go that route. But yeah, just wanted to say that. So yeah, so are we all picking Rick Steiner here? Hell yeah, the dog face Okay, then we will move on to a match. Braun that- Baker. Braun Breaker. I don't know what's up with that name. Yeah, Braun Breaker. You know, and here's yeah, what I, I think. Here's what I think. Uh, I think it might have been a a monetary move on him and his family, so that if he ever gets released by WWE, which is possible because they do it out of nowhere. He could go somewhere and use his actual name. Yeah. 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 There you go. Genius. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. A match that I would very much look forward to. We have 
Nikita Koloff taking on the Redeemer, Miro. Uh, obviously, the Eastern Bloc heritage, well, for one, the portrayal of for another, if I remember that correctly. Uh, Nikita Koloff was like, yeah, him and Ivan hated, like for being here, they were just, ew, just, you know, digging on America, just, it, it, it was, it was, it was, it was the, the way they had people's heart rate, the way they got people's heart rates up, you know, being Russian, uh, was just, it was, it was amazing. But Nikita has so much power. It was uncontrolled, almost to the point he looked sloppy almost. Every time he wrestled, he was it just he looked violent. Maybe not sloppy, he looked violent when he wrestled. Miro is like controlled chaos. Yeah. It is power. I mean, it, it, it could have been Miro this time. Did you see that one? That's insane. Uh, but I think I got, I got, I got Miro taking Cole off because Cole off, like I said, was just a powerhouse and he had no, <laughs> he didn't, I don't think he respected the business the way a lot of the wrestlers back then did. Like he didn't, he didn't, he didn't respect the craft. He just kind of took that violent nature and put it to use. He was kind of like a third world warrior, if you ask me. Because I mean, the road warriors, they didn't have any technicality, technical skill whatsoever. It was it was pick you up, throw you down. Pick you up, throw you down. But Nikita, it was just it was sickle after wrestle sickle after wrestle sickle, uh, power slams, kicks, boots, and stars. Uh, yeah. So I definitely I've got Miro. I, I've got Miro almost honestly squashing Koloff because I think I think Nikita comes out, hits him a couple times, and then Miro stands back up and just like no, and just. Boom, it's a wrap. And uh, Vera, about five now, in my research on some of the wrestlers on this card that I haven't seen enough of, a lot of that time period, you know, a lot of the matches were formulaic. Uh, it, you know, the heel was the heel, the face was the face, the heel bumped and everything. Eventually, in the middle of the match, they got their stuff in a little bit, but eventually the face would be uh, crowned the winner, and the face got in most of the offense. When I watched Nikita Kolov, um, my first thought was, I understand on multiple levels as to why you put this together, because that dude was fucking built. For that time period, aside from Lex Luger, I don't I, I don't know who else had a better body in the NWA. Now, I'm going with Miro based purely on God, genetics, whatever, does not make many people like Miro. The, the man would incapacitate someone, anyone from that era of wrestling and maybe almost anyone of today's wrestling. The guy is absolutely insane. Speed, agility, power, brawling, everything. This Miro has it down to a pat. And like you said about it being a squash, 
Absolutely. He'd fuck his mic work. His mic works not bad either because it gets that, right to the that point. too. That too. It gets right to the point. It tells you what's about what it's about to be, and then it, it is. The only time his mic work was bad was whenever they brought him into AEW and they gave him that shit gimmick. Uh, but but his whole WWE run, his mic work was great. I mean, especially whenever he got brought in to go against Cena. Yeah, that was fan. That was a fantastic feud. Probably, one, probably the best United States title feud of the modern times. But, um, and now that he has this redeemer slash forsaken character, he's he's back on his bullshit, as I'd like to say. Uh, okay. But but Miro, Miro, kill him. Yeah, I'm gonna have to agree with that. Um, Miro is quite simply an unstoppable force, and I don't know, and I don't know if there's an immovable object that could stand up to Miro's unstoppable force. Not in the place that he's at, possibly one. No. no. Mm. Maybe was too pretty. Warlow's too pretty. But yeah, you say too green. He's too pretty. Too pretty, he said. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) But we are going to move on. We have another one that would that is a dream match of mine: Uh, Chad Gable and Kurt Angle. We could be forever plotting <laughs> the course of this match because uh, they know more technical moves, technical moves than I know. <laughs> like, I mean, those, it, that match, it, it that actually should have been a pure, like a Roman Greco style match. Should have put that stipulation, to be honest. You could, you could, you could make it an ROH pure, pure rules match right now. I mean, that, yeah. I mean, honestly, I forgot about, I forgot about those rules. That's where that match lies. I mean, that thing goes back and forth, back and forth. I'm giving Kurt Angle uh, the rub because, you know, he won a gold medal with a broken freaking neck. So. Exactly. No. That's, that's <laughs> where I would go as well. Uh, yes, they are both uh, in the Olympics and such, but who, who was the better Olympian? Kurt Angle. Now oh. – it also comes into play, and I'm going to use this in the main event as well. I would have Gable right at the end of his NXT career against Angle when he first entered Impact because I feel that is where they were both the best presented and the best at what they were doing. And I would still go Kurt Angle. And if we're doing this in a pure rules match, Chad Gable would use his three rope breaks way quicker because Angle would get into those ankle locks quick as shit. Uh, and, And yes, we are from Pittsburgh, but that's not why we're picking Kurt Angle. Um, But it would be great for Chad Gable. Chad Gable needs to move on. In my opinion, especially especially because they are going to replace him with Gable Stevenson. 
It's yeah. it's just a matter of time. A matter of time, yeah. John? Yeah, uh, I actually would be the renegade and go Chad Gable in this match because I think Kurt would put him over. Hey, Kurt would be a good one to put Chad Gable over yeah. because of the two because of the two very uh, identical styles. Yeah, Kurt well, Kurt would be the best person to be able to put him over because I'm he knows every counter to every good move that Chad would throw. Gable should have been his son. I was just gonna say that the biggest mistake they ever made. But but if you know if you know Kurt Angle, he did have an affair with an African American woman. Is this true? Yeah, real life. I, I sit. I seen it at three a.m. at a BP, brother. Real life so, idiot needs to stop being put into wrestling, in my opinion. But yeah, um, I've always said that it should have never been Jordan Oliver. It always no. not Jordan Oliver. What the hell was his name? Jason Jordan. Jordan. Jason, uh, Jason Jordan. Jordan. It's a Jordan Oliver. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Jason. It looked like a Jordan Oliver. But yeah, uh, I'm gonna go Chad Gable because I think Kurt would put him over. Okay, I dig it. I dig it. Uh, this is an interesting <laughs> one. We have the fabulous ones, uh, team from the '70s. Who? Do yourself a favor, Google image search them and just look at some of those pictures because they're fantastic. Uh, <laughs> against the acclaim. Uh, so uh, there are similarities then... Max Caster and his friend but yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, at first I saw a lot of similarities I mean uh, Max and Stan Lane are the vocal ones they do a lot of talking a lot of braggadocious stuff a lot of the uh, uh, jaw jacking during the match uh, Bowens is pure power and technique and Steve Kern uh, actually uh, had a lot of technical skill, and for a, his size, yeah, had had some power. Uh, if you if you were to watch those matches, you, you would see what I'm talking about. I watched, I can look back and watch some of those again today. Uh, hit the leaves, like I didn't think there was anything wrong with that picture back then because there was nothing better. <laughs> I'm watching that now, and I'm like, I'm like, boy, can I even see them? It looks like Atari, right? <laughs> Especially um, if you try to watch the cage match, it's. it's I didn't because I couldn't see him, so I was like, I can't even see him. I'm not watching. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I watched the one with them and the sheep herders where they had Steve Kurt in the ropes, like they were, they were hanging. That was something that went on a lot in the '80s, Dallas style, dude. They were hanging each other left and right. <laughs> I uh, wonder why. But it was, but it was never. I never, I never, I never saw a white wrestler do that to a black wrestler. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they stayed away from that. But it was hard to white dude hanging a white dude all the time. All the time. I'd be like, dude, that is vicious. And then UFC came along, and I was like, oh dang, that's vicious. <laughs> but um, I'm taking, I'm taking the fabulous ones, um, because. <laughs> They're one of my favorites. And uh, Max and Anthony are way too great. I just kind of like the personality. And honestly, I was trying to take, I, I went back probably, this is with Dusty. The Fabs would have been like one of the oldest people or groups 
wrestlers on this list. And I took Bob, the, Bob one of the youngest and newest, and so put them together, just kind of see what's going on there, just get people with brains working and see what they thought about it. I'm going with the fabulous ones because, I mean, they had it all, the charisma, the technique, the power, the skill. Yeah. And uh, if, you were watching, if, you were, if you were watching those matches and listening to them, how annoying was it listening to the women? Because all they did was scream the entire time for these guys. <laughs> it was just, I'm, listening, I'm watching the matches, and all I can hear is so screaming. Oh, you said scream. scream. I thought you said scream. scream. I no. said, because, because now you're starting to take my gimmick, brother. Yeah, I am the surprise one. <laughs> I'm, no, I know. I'm, I'm joking around. Yeah, I know. They were, they were, hooting, they were hooting and hollering for him, screaming. Ah! And it's like, oh my God, just chill, man. I'm kind of watching that. But uh, I would have to agree with you. Um, when I went back and watched uh, the fabulous ones, I and thinking of this match, I immediately thought they work better as a tag team. Now, if we were to break it down into singles matches, might be a different outcome for me. But as a tag team match, the fabulous ones had it together completely. Um, uh, Stan Lane, with his kicks and his technicality, was ahead of his time. Uh, he was doing mid kicks and thrust kicks before a lot of people. Um, I also, and, and I ju it just comes down to tag team chemistry. And I think that the fabulous ones would win. Yeah. Um, I think I would probably go with the fabulous ones as well. But, uh, I haven't gone and looked at any of those matches, but just looking at them, they looked like tougher guys than the acclaimed. So I think oh, they, yeah. would, they, they would hit him with that old school Southern wrestling and they would I'll tell you what, do. I'll tell you what, John, if you ever just you feel sorry you need something to watch, look up uh, Stan Lane or Fabulous Ones or Steve Kern and Stan Lane them talking about their interactions with the road warriors. I saw a lot of that on YouTube, but I didn't click it. Watch, watch a couple of them, um, especially the ones where they're like kind of really, uh, the one that really they're they're older, looks like it's newer, but they're older. This that's the story he tells, the way they tell it about his road words. It's a very entertaining story. Cool. Oh yeah, um, it is not. It is a rare occurrence for somebody to present a list of wrestlers to me, and I not know <clears throat> one of them. But when I looked at this list of yours, when I came across the fabulous ones, I had never even heard the name mentioned by anyone. He said the same thing to me that I said to you, Chip. I said, is no, that like, you said that, is too? that a I like, said, yeah. is it a tag team out of the fabulous Freebirds? And, and yeah, he did, yeah. It's like, no, they were all, they just didn't get the push that uh, everybody else got. It was weird. There's so many tag teams. I mean, the Rock and Roll Express were the premier team from, from that era, down south. Um, but then you had the Fantastics. Um, Steve, what was it, Steve Rogers and Bobby Fulton? Yeah. Um, you had the Sheep Herders. You had Ted DiBiase and Dr. Death Steve Williams. They were nice together. They, were, they were a team. Dr. Death, Barry Gordy, and All Japan. 
Yo, you gotta watch that shit. Oof. Terry Gordy, he was a beast. I have a whole other segment right there about that man. Oh. Yeah, but um, when you team him with Dr. Death and you throw him in a Japanese that. ring, fuck. But, uh, yeah, the, the, um, we're even seeing that today with AEW. Uh, AEW wanted to bring back tag team wrestling, and I say they did. Uh-huh. But there are some tag teams that I feel uh, you know, the ones that dethrone Lucha Brothers should be proud and powerful. There is no reason why oh, PMP, PMP have not had a title yet. You also have, now I know that they want to go singles with Jungle Boy. And if they go singles with Jungle Boy, where does that leave Luchasaurus? I feel, I feel like they could have had a tag title run. Private Party needs to go back to themselves. And, and, and they would be contenders. They need to fully dis. Uh, they need to fully disband the Hardy family office. One hundred. <clears throat> unless it, unless it's an all female group. Yeah. <laughs> get. Uh, I mean, we've been saying from day one: get Butcher and Blade in the House of Black. M- Malachi makes sense. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. I'm like House of Black. Oh, that's uh, Malachi Black. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially because Andy and and Tom are pretty close. Um, but yeah, what's uh, what's the next one, Johnny? Uh, the next one is four of my favorite people in the world, and one of my favorite match types that has ever been conceived. <laughs> It is an Ultimate X match that would pit John Morrison against the best ever Sammy Guevara against Shelton Benjamin against Kofi Kingston. So, originally this match was Brian Cage, Sammy Guevara, Shelton Benjamin, and Kofi Kingston. And then I wanted to equal it out so then, like, who's the match? It was, wait, who, who's the match again? Shelton, I, Kofi, I, Sammy, Kofi, Sammy, and John Morrison. John, John Morrison. John and Morrison. I think this is the better match, Chip. However, and then John Morrison popped into my head. I was watching something. Oh, I was watching, uh, I was watching a bio profile on him. And I was like, oh, wait a second. Like, yeah, I think yeah, John Morrison yeah, would kill him. I think John Morrison would kill in this match. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. So I was like, Brian Cage, everybody knows me. I was like, I'll find him something later on. Um, so yeah, uh, the winner of this match, uh, I actually haven't decided, and I'm still thinking about it. So I'm gonna, I like to bat this one around between the three of us. We can go first. Uh, John, since I've been going first, you can go. Okay. Well, the first thing I was going to say, given that this is an Ultimate X match, I will be using the name Johnny Impact for John Morrison. So you. <laughs> So you'd have Johnny Impact, um, but no, I'll, I'll go Morrison. I think Morrison and Guevara would instantly uh, pair off with each other, and Shelton and Kofi would as well. And I think eventually you would see Sammy mix it up with Shelton and Kofi at the same time, and then Morrison just come out of nowhere um off one of the 
posts or off of the X itself or jump from a post to another post and then jump on somebody because <laughs> he's just he's Spider-Man in real life. Um, but yeah, if I'm looking at this match, I'm going to go with Shelton Benjamin. Because I think Shelton Benjamin is one of the best performers that has ever graced ladder matches. And the Ultimate X is basically a ladder match where you have to retrieve the prize. And Shelton Benjamin has... has and there's no rule that says you can't use You can't them. get a ladder. But Shelton Benjamin, in my opinion, has become a ladder match legend. So I'm going to go with Shelton Benjamin getting the prize. Okay. I like that. Shelton Benjamin no. is the one that kind of started that whole crazy spot gimmickry in WWE with the Royal Rumbles and the ladder matches. With that ladder match, when he put it off on the ropes, ran up and then did the, uh, what was it? That's not a Topa C. Was it a Topa Con Hilo? Yeah. Yeah, um, there you go. Yeah. Off, the, off there onto the concert. So uh, Shelton started it. You are absolutely right. He is, he is, uh, it is unbelievable how they have misused Shelton Benjamin over the years. I mean, yeah. in um, my opinion, even though I don't think he's ever won one, but he is Mr. Money in the Bank, in my opinion. Because I will never forget um, him springboarding and landing on top of the ladder is ingrained in my memory and it will never go away. It never. Yeah. Shelton's um, the man. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead, Tim. What's your take? I will say that Shelton deserves his flowers. Yeah. Um, when I thought about this match, the first word that came into my head was balance. And the best people in this match who can balance are John and Kofi. Now, I could see a spot where on all sides of the X, all men are on top and walking towards the middle. Yeah, I, I was just going to say that. And... <laughs> It would come down to Morrison and Kofi in the middle of the X on top of it, battling it out. <laughs> yeah, battling it out for supremacy and trying to balance the best. Yeah. Uh, and I believe that it would come down to both men hanging by their feet. And then it would come down to power. And Morrison would grab Kofi around, underneath the arms and put him down and retrieve the X. I'm going Johnny Mundo, Johnny Impact, Johnny everything to win this match based on his parkour and balance ability and ultimately coming down to having probably the best upper body strength of all of them. Um, yeah. 
Nice. Okay. Johnny Impact for the win with the X. Okay. So, um, I had Shelton kind of being the first man out, sort of. Uh, he's the largest man in the match. And so I'm thinking endurance. I think that came up originally. Endurance is going to be a big factor in this match. And being that he is the heaviest, I think getting up to the X is going to be harder the longer the match goes on, which this is one of those matches that goes, this is a 60-minute match. Uh, because Or plus, because there's just so many ways to come at, or at people. There is, an also, um, there is also the possibility that with the speed and quickness of Sammy Guevara, he could just find an opportunity. But I'll still stick with Morrison. But my second choice would be Sammy. So my winner is Sammy. It's funny that you, you, you got that in there before I got to it, which is fine. And that's what lets me so excited. I have Sammy almost in that fashion because of endurance. And he's the smallest person in the back. Right. Uh, I got Kofi and John trying to outdo each other on the ropes, on the on the on the on the X, on the ropes, on the poles, on the floor. I see them trying to do too much. And I see exactly what you said. I see Sammy mixing it up with everybody. Sammy kind of getting waylaid by Shelton. Moving on to Kofi, and they're even. He gets the best of Kofi. Then Johnny, like Johnny, like uh, like John said, John or Johnny comes in. Out of nowhere, probably from the crowd. Yeah, hits him with a hits him, hits him with a blue salt splash, and mix all that. Sammy squirts out, bounce. Now see, I've seen Sammy do a couple of double rope jumps, double rope moves, and his balance is quite nice. Yeah, and I, I I see Sammy at the end with the endurance and the athleticism, grabbing that action, bringing it down. I like Sammy. I didn't at first, and you know what it was about him? It was his hair. It throws me up a wall. <laughs> it throws me uh, up a wall. And then it, it kind of grew on me, and then he grew on me. And, like, I like the Spanish God. I like Sammy Guevara to take this back. Sammy Guevara has done nothing but grow on me since the beginning of AEW. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's done nothing but grow on me since I saw him in Wrestle Circus. Yeah. Uh, his, his journey uh, from the Indies and Mexico to through AEW, the I think the pivotal moment uh, for Sammy was the MJF infiltration. Yes, uh, that's I think that's when all of the people who were on the fence about him uh, started to turn to liking him, and then just that redemption at at the uh, Stadium Stampede. You yeah. can't not love Sammy now. Yeah, um, you're right. Another person that I would add into this match that would give Sammy and everyone a run for their money is Trey Miguel. Yeah. But, but um, yeah, um, I'm still staying with John Morrison, but I could definitely see Guevara winning as well. Uh, John made a very good, uh, John made a very good um, statement for. Shelton. I do think it's kind of funny that none of us really uh, spoke spoke a lot about Kofi, but you don't have to because yeah. everyone knows 
everyone knows oh, what he's doing and, and, yeah. and how, how much entertainment he would bring to the match. It's, but it's not something he has to win. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Kofi is, it's funny, the New Day in general, but Kofi has reached something that I never thought I'd ever really see. I never thought he was going to be a double champ. Uh, that whole push, I thought that was going to be uh, a fizzle at the end for us. And he got it, and it shocked the heck out of me, and I guess that's what they were trying to go for. But uh, yeah. Kofi's in a stratosphere. He's at a level right now, like, I've never really thought I'd see him. Or, or Xavier, or he. And um, it's good to see. It's I'm nice so see. happy for all of them. I really am. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to see. Because that was a gimmick that was doomed to fail from day one. <laughs> they made and it work. Just like every profile and autobiography talks about, dude, they made it work 100%. Because I was doing them. Well, when you have someone... Them, when you have someone who loves professional wrestling, but also has, like, two master's degrees... That person is going to figure out a way to get that gimmick over for him and his boys. If it wasn't for Xavier Woods, the New Day would have never won anywhere. Yeah. I ran into him on the street a couple years ago down in Market Square. Yeah? How, yeah. Was, was he a good dude? He was a good dude. I was so kind of like breathtaking. I didn't know what to say. I was trying not to be like, oh. I was trying to play it cool. I played it too cool because I should have asked for a picture, but I didn't. <laughs> um, ironically, uh, his his stage name is my last name. I'm Woods. So uh, <laughs> I walked by and I looked. I was like, you're Xavier Woods, aren't you? He goes, yeah. I was like, man. I was like, I watch you all the time. You're the man. He was like, oh, thanks. He walked his way. Uh, also, that same day, I actually saw Nia Jax and the Starbucks in Market Square as well. Uh, I did not say anything to her because she did not have makeup on and she looked extremely angry. <laughs> and uh, uh, if anyone's <laughs> ever wondering if she is as big as she is, it's 100% true that she is. I wouldn't want to mess with her. I felt the same way. I felt the same way um, many years ago now, but at an IWC show, I met Awesome Kong. And the stream does not do that woman justice. Mm. She is a killer. <laughs> uh, I mean, the women, all the women that 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 Nia's going up against her, her, her model figure kind of type. So yeah. it, it kind of makes you think that she's just a little bigger than them. Oh no, 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 she's bigger than me. Now let me tell you a story. Uh, 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 I've met some wrestlers, you know, but. Um, you said you didn't want to like freak out and mark out. I was working at Market District and I was pushing a cart of fried chicken to the event planning area, which was on the corner. And around the corner was the coffee bar. And I'm turning the corner and I see a guy bent over writing on his receipt. And I go, Claudio? And he turns and he goes, yes. And I went, and, and at the time, and, and even now, I love Cesaro. And I was like, dude, I was like, this is bullshit. You should have won money in the bank last year. You should be winning it this year. I don't know what the fuck they're doing. You're the best fucking pure wrestler on that. 
and, and like all he could do, all he did was kept saying thank you, like very like <laughs> calm. And then I ran. You met you met our other friend Rich, remember? Yeah. yeah. I ran into the cooler that he was in, and I said, "Rick, Cesaro, coffee bar now!" <laughs> and he was like, "What?" And I was like, "Coffee bar, Cesaro." <laughs> <laughs> and by the time he got there, he had already checked out and he was walking out the door. And I was like, oh, guess you fucked, bud. But uh, <laughs> but that was the only time I seen a wrestler out in the wild and I lost my shit. Now, if I were to meet Ric Flair, that's a whole different story. <laughs> whole different story. I would mark out like a champ. Right. Um. Yeah. It's very unfortunate for me that the only wrestler or wrestling personality I've seen in the wild is Virgil. But uh, <laughs> oh god, he used to he used to hang out at a local bar here, and he didn't drink, he didn't smoke, but uh, I think he had like a kind of a bouncer deal going. But like, if he found out that you liked wrestling, dude, he shit on everything nowadays. Yeah, uh, he would put over Hogan like crazy, and then he would try and sell you a signed picture of him and Ted DiBiase without Ted's signature. Yeah, and and, and I just and I just be like, no, nah, man, I'm cool, you know. I'm good, <laughs> man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, 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 if we're talking about Stackman Jones or what, what was his name? Whenever I don't remember, Chris Jericho brought him in. Something. Now, now, I, ridiculous. I would. I would I would take that autograph, you know. What was Jericho's bodyguard's name down in there? Ralphus. That's that big, that's Ralphus. Ralphus. I'll take that. Ralph, I'll take that. Ralphus is deceased. Is he really? What? Yeah, Ralphus is deceased. Man, that sucks. It's very sad wow. because I loved Ralphus. Jericho's security. Armbar. That's, that's why we call it. That's where we got our name. That's where we got our name from, Chip. Because John and I are in agreement of our goat, and that's Chris Jericho. Yeah. And that's like one of his best promos, and he kept saying armbar. I'm like armbar audio, dude. Fucking. I have dude. like I have like a hundred favorite wrestlers, but my favorite wrestler is Chris Jericho. Because of his work now and what he's doing, like on the mic in AEW, um, he is reaching Ric Flair status to me. And so, Ric Flair, uh, you guys haven't figured out already, is my wrestling god. Yeah. <laughs> Hogan's way down here, as far as I'm concerned. Although, as far as entertainment goes, He's a little higher than Rick because Rick really wasn't. A, it's funny because Rick wasn't really about the entertainment. He was just being him. Yeah. Paul, asshole. Um, he was entertaining. He was trying to entertain you. That's all he was trying to do. Well, and I so, don't want to ruin. I don't want to ruin your idea of Ric Flair. But have you ever heard Teddy Long talk about Ric Flair? No. And I probably won't because I don't want it to be ruined. I know when he, I understand what it was. I get it. I listen. I love the people. 
I don't even know if I want to tell this story. I'll tell this story, but I'm going to leave a couple of key parts out. We'll talk about it out there because I had a certain yeah, something. I had a certain something that a lot of wrestlers used to wear down south. At the time I was young, I really didn't understand what it meant. I just liked it because all my favorite wrestlers were wearing it. So I got one. Yeah, my dad saw me with this thing on the ground. He almost broke my neck. And he told me about it, sat me down and told me about it. I was like, my bad. I was just, I thought, I was just wearing it like my favorite wrestler. My fault. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I mean, you can kind of, you can kind of figure out what, it, what that might have been. But uh, yeah, I read his autobiography. He talked about some stuff. Kind of figured he probably was probably in on it too. But and it's Ric Flair. And the rapper seemed to dig him, so I'm cool. I'm also, I, I'm also of the belief that people can change. Yeah. You know? He better because the son of is about to be a POC. A person of color. It's true. I think they're still together, aren't they? Who, on, on Jordan and Charlotte? Yeah. 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 Okay. He loves on Jordan. Yeah. He cornered him in Triple Mania, and he also, like, on all of their Instagrams, like, they hang out, like, daily and do oh, rest wow. to each other into the pool and shit. Like, they're, Andrade's basically already his son in law. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. It's really cool to see. That's funny. Uh, we are going to move on. Yeah, my bad. My oh, bad. shit. Speaking of. Speaking of, uh, the Queen Charlotte Flair versus Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. And a, and a last woman standing match. And a last woman standing match. Hmm. Now, Chip, let, let, let me real quick. Now, you got to take into account, Charlotte's been doing this probably longer than Britt. Charlotte has been in Helena Cells. She's been in all of the types of matches in WWE. But Britt Baker's a hardcore icon. <laughs> I stole it right from you. Because it was the point that I wanted to make. Hey, <laughs> I think uh, it's the point we all wanted to make. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is the point because I'm pretty sure all three of us are in agreement to the winner of this match. And it Charlotte is. may be the better wrestler. But yes. when it comes down to a last woman standing match, son, it is Dr. It's Britt Baker. all fucking day. It is Dr. Britt Baker. D M D. All day long. Trust me. The bloody, there it is. I was going to say the bloody nose says it all, man. Signed. It says it all. Signed because of my best friend. Got it signed. That's what's up. Yep. That's what's up. Yeah. That. I'm not even going to lay this one out because, I mean, it's going to be Charlotte doing moonsaults everywhere. It's going to be big boots from Charlotte. It's going to be uh, flip this and flip that. But it's going to be Britt Baker with forearms, knees, and kicks. Stomps. <laughs> Curb stomp. At the end of the day, it's going to be uh, what's, the, uh, what's the end of the move? Uh, the the, the Lockjaw. Yeah, I'll give you a log jaw. He's going to put her down. She's going to stand up. They're going to count the 10, and that's a wrap. I don't know, man. I want to I... see. 
I'd want to see some weaponry. I want to see Britt Breaker bring out a light tube or two. <laughs> if we were to do suction, the suction. Yeah. If we were if we were to do a a follow-up pay-per-view to this, I would have Charlotte ready to win. And then Thunder Rosa come down to corner Brit and talk to her and be like, do you not remember the brutality that we went through? And then have Britt Baker get fired up and fucking pal drive uh, Charlotte off the apron, through a table, onto a steel step. Put yeah. the table over the step on and, and, and prop it up on chairs. Yeah. So that they have to go through the table and then hit the steel step. Because at the end of the day, Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker have that thread. And it's AEW against WWE. All right. So are we all taking Britt Baker here? Oh, we're all taking BNB all day. All, all of us Pittsburgh assholes picked all the other Pittsburgh assholes, not just because they're from Pittsburgh, you asshole. Uh, I forgot it's not, it's not our fault. I forgot we forgot we more the best wrestlers. <laughs> right? Next card next is going to be Pittsburgh versus Cleveland. Or Pittsburgh versus Ohio. Fuck Ohio. If, if you put Pittsburgh versus Ohio, I'm picking Pittsburgh all over. Fuck Ohio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, did you see? Did you see Adam Cole from Lancaster, PA, versus John Moxley from Cincinnati, PA? What's your? You mean O O H? Yeah. Oh uh, no. Oh no. Cincinnati. What I say? What I say? Cincinnati. What I say? You said Cincinnati, you said Cincinnati PA. PA. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. It's all good, bro. But uh, Moxley would kill him anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's why every time they say from Cincinnati, Ohio, I'm like, no, he's from Las Vegas. Fuck yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> so who's next, there, John? The next match, bit of an interesting one. We have uh, some Pinnacle versus Pinnacle action going on with Tully Blanchard taking on Maxwell Jacob Friedman, MJF. Now, I have a question for you, Chip. Do any of them have uh, – are we allowing outside interference in this? Oh, yeah. Whose yeah. side are they going to oh, be yeah. on, They're all about to run in. Whose yeah. side are they going to be on, though? Well, you could you could make Tully the four horsemen person and have MJF be the – Pinnacle person? No, 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 fuck that. I'm not explaining it because I got an idea. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Wow. I um I guess I guess I'd pick MJF because he's so sneaky and he just he pulls victories out of his ass constantly. MJF to me is Tully Blanchard times two. Tully Blanchard was just smug. Yeah. Todd Blanchard was like so Todd Blanchard was like Rick Flair. He had the watches, always wore those shades from back then, always had on nice clothes, suits, the whole nine yards. MJF, same thing with the Burberry scarf. You know, I dig the Burberry, by the way. Um 
And they're both very good on the mic. Now, obviously, mic talk back then and mic talk now completely different. I mean, wrestling back then and wrestling now completely different. I mean, to, 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 to think what I used to watch and how I love, how, I, how that made me fall in, fall in love with professional wrestling lets me know that those guys had a lot of good character work because they were, they were all doing about the same 12 moves. Irish whips, clothes lines, I, uh, snap mares, kick stomps, slaps, chops. Woo! That's what it was back then. They're suplexes. I don't know. They're pile drivers. That was probably the most dangerous damn move they did back then was pile drivers. They did a lot of pile drivers back then. A lot of them. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there was no nobody, jumped, nobody jumped over the ropes. Nobody did moonsaults. Um, and not, not until Juice and Thunder Roger came into town. Yeah, honestly, you know, but I'm sure Scott came in Mexico. Or yeah, Luda. Or, 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 or the Guerreros. Not Chavo. Oh, my God. Story? The other one. There, there was Eddie. There was Chavo. Oh, my God. Hector. Chavo Senior. Hector. Hector Guerrero. And you might not know yeah. who Hector Guerrero is. He wrestled down south. Like, Hector, like, they what is had more of that commentator? No, he was just like a cousin. Yeah, but didn't he, he like commentate for TNA and some other places? Oh, he, yes. For like five uh, minutes. For like, for like five minutes. <laughs> but um, as a matter of fact, I think Hector might have been Chavo's manager of TNA at first. Possible. If I'm not mistaken. Uh, so John got MJF chip. Oh, I've got MJF. I've got Tully putting MJF over. I mean, the, the styles, uh, MJF is brutal. That, that's off of the earth. Done. That's a wrap. I mean, Tully's finishing maneuver was a slingshot suplex, which back then looked powerful. Now, nobody even does a suplex. Nobody even does a slingshot suplex anymore. It's an eight minutes of basic money. So, uh, I mean, it's off of the earth. Plus, you got Warlow on the outside. If you don't have a pinnacle, you've got Warlow. You know, you got Big War Dog out there. You know, but the, if Tully's got Baby Doll, Warlow, Warlow scares off Baby Doll. Uh, distracts Tully because he's messing with Baby Doll. Salt of the Earth comes in, boom, bam. All right, so, so basically we are going to have our own fantasy federation uh, from here on out uh, because – because I'm already starting to think of storylines that are coming out of this. I, t- I <laughs> talked about it. What what match was I talking about that could lead to something else? I, I don't even remember. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. Okay. Uh, you got Tully against MJF. MJF has Sean and Wardlow in his corner. Tully has Arn. FTR. And FTR. And um, Tully and uh, all of it gets all mixed up, and eventually it comes down to two beaten guys standing across from each other. And all of a sudden, you hear 2001 Space Odyssey or whatever it's called. Uh, <laughs> and Ric Flair comes down, and he has a mic. And he says, he's getting in MJF's face, and he says, 
your favorite wrestler was Ronnie Piper. And he was the only man that could hold a candle to me. <laughs> I am a wrestling guy. You are not me. And everyone thinks he's going to hit MJF. And he goes, he turns around and he looks at Tall and he goes, but you aren't either, brother. And he just puts him down and leaves and MJF wins. And Man. that leads, that leads to MJF versus Ric Flair, bro. Bang. Bro, that was beautiful. <laughs> yes. That was, that was, uh, and there it is. And on to the next match, nobody else even needs. We're going to end on that. We're going to end that match with that. That was dope. That was great. I like that. The next match is uh, the main event and oh. is a certified dream match. Absolutely. I'd die for this match. If you put, if you put Brett the Hitman Hart from 1996 against the American Dragon at any point in his career, in this type of match, which is a 60-minute Iron Man match. Shit, man. Yeah. So let me tell you, know. this match right here, we're going to end talking about somebody we started talking about. This actually was Donnie's. This is Donnie's match. He picked, he, he called this one out. When I told him I was doing this, he, got, he was like, oh, that's interesting. He said, man, he's like, you mean like taking like Daniel Bryan Versus like Bret Hart in an Iron Man match. And I was like, yeah, dude, exactly like that. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, bro, I was like, I'm shouting you out and I'm using that. And it turned out to be the main event because well, Iron Man match got to be 60 minutes. You might as well put that at the end. Yeah. I mean, Plus, so I'm this would be I'm a technical, This would be a technical masterclass of none other proportion seen in the West. So we've got the Chad Gable and the Kurt Angle match being very technical, but that's wrestling technical. Ryan Danielson versus Bret Hart in the Iron Man match, that's professional wrestling. Just te technical. Yeah. And that, that means character work. That means ups and downs, oohs and odds, O's and A's. You know what I mean? It, it, and Donnie hit it right on the now. I was like, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I was like, I'm using it. Um, I'm taking, so I've got babyface Daniel, Brian Danielson. I got like 2009 or, or 2008 ROH American Dragon looking like he's 12 years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because uh, honestly, he, he, it's the same guy. He's just got more hair on his face. Right. His moves that haven't, haven't changed over the years. And I guess you're going to take, like, the uh, anti-American Bret Hart as the heel. No, I'm taking <laughs> I guess I would have to. This is actually a face-off face. I mean, this is literally just, I mean, I, I suppose two faces could have good character work. Because, I mean, they've had you going back and forth. Who's going to take, oh, I want oh, this guy. Wait, wait. Oh, wait, I want this guy. At the end of the day, when one guy wins and the other one loses, everybody's still standing and clapping because yeah. everybody wins. Everybody and also, wins. think about WrestleMania 12. Brett, Brett was the face and Sean was the face. I mean, I'm taking, I see, and I'm taking that, I'm taking Mark screw job, Brett. Like, that's, you know what I mean? Like that guy, that's when I, that's who I remember he was at his peak. 
Uh, that's where I'm at. Turn to five. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right about that. So how do you see it going? Uh, as long as it's not in Montreal, I got... Uh, I'm just, <laughs> if it's in Montreal, it's Brett. <laughs> no more anywhere in Canada. But no, yeah, but I'm, I'm taking Daniel Bryanson on. Uh, Brian, I keep saying Daniel Bryanson. Brian Danielson. Okay. Because uh, he's just... Bret Hart, okay, so when Bret Hart first wrestled, he was the first wrestler, I think, that put oomph into professional wrestling. He made it look like he was really slugging. And he put a lot of, like, there's a lot of pop, a lot of force, a lot of speed into all his moves. Think about that clothesline, that facial maneuver that the Hart Foundation did. He came off that rope, and when he hit that clothesline, his feet are in the air, and he hits that guy, he hooks him, and drives him to the mat. While my heart standing holding him like this. So, uh, I mean, Dan, uh, Brian Danielson is the same way. A lot of force. It's, it's very, it's quick, it's snappy. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, I've, got, I've got Brian Danielson taking this one. Uh, I got this going under the time limit. Or I got this going at the time limit. I've got Daniel, uh, Brian Daniel, Danielson uh, by one. I'm going to say this. Um, whenever I was a kid and I was introduced to wrestling, uh, my first memory was Ultimate Warrior. Everything about him spoke to me. I loved it as a child, right? But Bret Hart was the first wrestler, the first wrestler's wrestler that I gravitated towards, and he was he was probably chronologically after Ultimate Warrior. He was my favorite wrestler. Um, now, knowing more about Bret Hart now, Bret, the reason why I love Japanese wrestling, I think the reason why I love Japanese wrestling so much is because Stu had two Japanese wrestlers come to the dungeon and train Bret Hart. And if we know anything about Brian Danielson, he's called the American Dragon for a reason. He went to New Japan. He went to NOAA. He he wrestled Japanese talent in Ring of Honor. He's he is one of the last type of like guys like Jericho and Eddie Guerrero and and such. This is my dream match uh i was going to do a fantasy card sometime this year and I, I i i'm pretty sure that this was on it now brian danielson i i we said earlier that our favorite wrestlers of all time are chris jericho but brian danielson is probably number two or 1.5 for me because of the time he came and what he did now, like punk opened the door for guys like that in WWE, but Brian Danielson kicked the fucking thing off the hinges. And that's when triple H did the NXT thing and got all those types of types of guys. When it comes down to everything, they go past the time limit. It goes to sudden death. And there will be a point in the match where Danielson does the 
the uh, flip off the top, like the running flip backwards. And Brett catches him into a shoulder break. I see that happen. I Hmm. see Brett going for the, the elbow drop off the second rope and getting caught in the label lock. Uh, I see, I see a lot of things, but in that sudden death moment, Bret Hart is going to go for the sharpshooter, and Danielson will know how to counter it due to his his training in MMA uh, at the Couture Gym and his extensive background in, um, you know, he was trained by William Regal. He was in Japan, this and that. He will know a way to counter the sharpshooter and win with the cattle mutilation. So as much as it pains me to pick one of these wrestlers, I'm going Brian Dames. What is the cattle mutilation? Is that the double underhook, back arch? Yeah, yeah. Okay. He wasn't allowed to use it in WWE, but he's been using it in AEW. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I don't, he might have used it once. He was trying to use it in a match I was watching. He didn't pull it off. But I was like, oh, is he getting ready to hook that up? I can't believe some of the moves they don't let him use up there. It's insane. Right. John? So I think the match would end in this way. I think it's getting down to the wire. We've got like five minutes left. Um, the score is 0-0 at the five-minute mark, in my opinion. And when it gets down to like that one and a half, two minutes, Brian Danielson has the LaBelle lock or the counter mutilation, either one, on Bret Hart. I think Bret Hart is fighting it off. He's in that hold for a long time. He's starting to fade. But then they call that 30 seconds. There's 30 seconds left. Bret Hart, like, realizes what's going on, fires up, breaks out of the hold, gets the sharpshooter, and Brian Danielson taps to the sharpshooter with, like, one second left on the clock. And then it's a one-point victory. And it goes to Bret Hart. <laughs> you know what, John? Let's say it was the cattle mutilation. And he's fighting out. And he uses his... He gets onto his knees. And yeah. he starts powering up from his legs. And he, like... Maybe he hits a fucking vertebrae. Right. Because of the position he's in. And then he just lays in the sharpshooter. Something like that. Um, that, that's what's great about having these fantasy cards and, and having multiple people talk because there's so many different ideas coming from every which way and uh, it's just a joy to spend time and talk about this stuff Yeah, and uh, I think that the next time we do this we should we should all collaborate on the card um and you know Rosa and Baker 
against Charlotte and someone, and MJF and Flair are already on the shit. So okay. Now, uh, go ahead. No, no, I was actually going to say anything you want to add before we uh, get going. No, actually, uh, I've enjoyed this immensely. This this has been, uh, for my first time uh, doing something like this, this has been uh, incredible. I cannot wait to do this again. I'm so looking forward to it. Uh, Hell yeah, man. It was fun. This has been great. Yeah. So uh, I haven't talked. I haven't actually sat and talked professional wrestling like this uh, in a very long time. Probably since Fox and the Hound. To be honest with you. I was going to say since yeah. the last time we talked. <laughs> since Fox and the Hound, bro. So uh, I, like I said, I am definitely looking forward to doing this again. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, wherever you are in the world, whether it's morning, noon, or night, you have a great one. Peace love to all of you chip bring it in on the camera the too sweet bang